So perhaps you are going to strap your young child into the front seat of your ute. This is legal in a single cab as far as I know, but is it safe? Details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Hit me up on the website for that. Now, this report is inspired by a recent question from a dude named Jamie Fitzgerald, a regular auto expert tipster of sorts. He's a good bloke, Jamie, and he runs a business dedicated to the sexing up of one's man cave slash garage. Garageblitz.com.au for more on that. He's not a sponsor. This is just an acknowledgement of a battler doing a good job. My little buddy is six and has really taken to fishing and camping. I only have a cab chassis Hilux and have noticed that the RTA allows a child in the front passenger side on a booster seat. What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so the regulations and the default consensus of safety experts out there is that Kids really shouldn't go in the front seat ever in an ideal world, but in a single cab pickup, there's really no alternative, right? And it's kind of irresponsible to leave that young child behind, out there, wherever. So it's allowed because the world's not perfect. I think technically you can actually put a young kid in the front passenger seat of any car legally here in Shitsville, provided all of the other passenger seats are occupied by young kids. So, a seven-seater could hypothetically transport six young children, which I suppose is a pro-tip of sorts for all of you over-enthusiastic breeders out there, which is just what the world needs, really. More humans, I think you'd agree. Or you could do less breeding and, in a sense, make Australia less shit. In the domain of good ideas and bad ideas, like a kid in the front seat is less than ideal, okay? So in a perfect world, only adult-sized humans would ever sit in the front seat of a car. Airbag deployment choreography, it's kind of precise and somewhat brutal. Crash survival is a bit like chemotherapy. It's the best thing we have in a very bleak situation, kind of non-ideal. It's a last resort of sorts, okay? Airbags deploy at brutal speeds and their spatial movement assumes that an adult human being is going to be doing the interacting with them. Average six-year-olds are about one or maybe 1.2 metres tall, and this dimensional deficit is a serious spanner in the works vis-a-vis airbag interaction in a crash, which could lead to something of a poor outcome. That's a euphemism, okay? Like, poor outcome, parents' worst nightmare, worst day ever. Indelible black stain on the rest of life, okay? I'm talking about that kind of outcome. And Jamie here is probably driving a long way to go camping or fishing and get sunburned and find a death adder in his sleeping bag. All the fun outdoor stuff. And he's probably driving at high speeds too, like highway speeds, and also travelling on imperfect roads from time to time, all of which amps up the risk of being involved in a high mechanism collision, which is exactly what you don't want. 
On the flip side, I guess, modern Hiluxes are actually quite safe and driving's really not that dangerous. Like, in the 12 months to September of 2020, just 1,107 people died on our roads. That's 4.9% down on the same period last year, and it's actually 9.1% down for deaths over the past six months. Thanks very much, COVID-19. Yes, you're looking for a silver lining? That might be it. That is all according to the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications. What a mouthful, but they are tasked with monitoring this road trauma sort of stuff here in Australia. COVID-19, right? In terms of the number of life years lost, COVID versus road trauma, we are probably in front now that I think about it, but fuck you very much anyway, 2020. I don't think too many people would have a problem with that sentiment broadly. By the time we get to Christmas, I think we'll all be over it. Worst year in living memory for many of us. Injury rates on the road, okay, which is important too, roughly 40 to 1. In other words, roughly 40 hospitalizations for every single road death, and about broadly half of those injuries are notionally serious, meaning in statistical terms requiring more than one day in hospital. And obviously some of those injuries, and I don't have the data, result in lifelong disability. I'm talking about brain injuries and that kind of thing. In a population of nearly 25 million people, it's hardly as if road trauma is out of control in Australia. Despite what the cops and the regulators and the media would have you believe, driving is actually quite safe, especially if you do it responsibly and capably. But there's never been a benign transport system, and at least as I see it, there never will be. These Vision Zero kinds of statements from Volvo and various road safety regulators, like, it's all bullshit. Living in utopia would be lovely, wouldn't it? But Vision Zero is bullshit, like most utopian concepts. The roads are already quite safe. Road trauma would be a shitload higher if we all still rode horses. Just saying. And managing the poop in big cities would be a major infrastructure challenge too. So good luck with that. Things are better these days. <laughs> Think you'd agree. So again, according to the feds on this, only 27 people aged between newborn and 16 managed to die on our roads in the past six months and they weren't all inside cars, okay? Some would have been pedestrians, and no, I don't have the data on that. I did look, but it is hard to find. Anyway, perhaps I just had a boy's look. Being in a car is not all that dangerous for children, okay? Especially if your parents are responsible drivers who put you in the correct restraint. And you really have to correct all these road death data for what I would call dickhead factor, which is somewhat prevalent in road-going tragedies. I'd actually love to see the breakdown of dickhead-involved crashes versus all the rest. I'm tipping the rest would be a pretty small number. And when I say dickhead-involved, let me be clear, I'm talking about people making atrociously dangerous decisions. Because... Crashes don't just happen. There is absolutely fault attributable and premeditation involved. Like, 
drunk or drug-affected parents who drive unregistered cars at high speed with a couple of unrestrained kids in the back. Totally unacceptable, premeditated. Happens all the time out there on the roads. These people tick every box and the court system appears predisposed to let them off rather lightly, at least in my view, every time they get caught, repeat over and over again. It's like the spin cycle, right? This happens rather a lot. People who make a raft of spectacularly shit decisions which end in carnage, often not their own. If you were able to control for dickhead factor and reinterpret the road trauma data, the risk of driving responsibly would be nearly zero. At the very least, it would be trivial in the context of life's other risk, such as that of climbing a friggin' ladder on the weekend, especially if you are over 50. A pro tip on that, okay? If you go up a ladder and it's more than about three steps high, wear a bicycle helmet. Just saying. So Jamie's real answer is, putting a six-year-old in the front seat of a single cab ute is not ideal, which is just like the rest of life. A vehicle with a back seat would be safer. Make sure the kid's at least in the right booster seat, which it sounds like Jamie's doing anyway. The purpose of the booster, of course, is to optimize the seatbelt ergonomics for the smaller skeletal frame. Essentially, the booster seat reorients the lap part of the belt over the hip girdle and the sash over the left shoulder girdle here in Australia on the passenger side. So, the skeleton will experience the crash loads and not soft tissue. If you don't do that with the booster seat, kids typically manage to slouch forward and that's so that they can get their knees over the front edge of the front seat and that's for comfort, right? And then the lap part of the belt rides up and over their abdomen while the sash rides up like this past their nest, their nest and their neck. And both of these orientations cause horrific unsurvivable injuries, often in high mechanism crashes. Crashes which might otherwise be survivable. It's a tragedy. A pro tip for pregnant mothers on the whole seatbelt thing too. The lap part of the seatbelt has to go underneath the baby on board, okay? Across your pelvis rather than across the top of the bun in the oven, just saying. So, if you drive responsibly, conservatively, and even better if you get advanced driver training and if you're diligently monitoring the driving environment for hazards, such as approaching dickheads, and formulating numerous plan Bs, which you should be doing anyway, and not driving fatigued or texting or whatever, then I think Jamie's going to have a nice time camping with his young son, with very little elevation of what I would consider to be tangible risk. In fact, when you think about all of the things that could go wrong with a young kid camping, you know, all the poisonous reptiles and spiders, the blue-ringed octopus at the beach, the shark attacks, the falling out of a tree or down a cliff, the drowning, the trip there and back is actually likely to be the safest part of the whole Technicolor camping montage. <laughs> a final but important warning. The most dangerous automotive environment for children is actually the driveway at home. So-called accidents, okay, which are not really accidents because they're preventable. Accidents are technically events without apparent causes, like, I don't know, being the future king of England 
is an accident of birth, okay? But getting run over and killed in the driveway at home is a preventable tragedy. Certainly, it is not an accident. Anyway, so-called accidents are the biggest killer of children in this country. And the driveway at home is number two on the death hit parade there, as I understand it, after drowning in the backyard swimming pool. And when you look at it like that, going away camping with Dad in the front seat of the ute could actually be a bit of a lifesaver. But perhaps I am spectacularly out of touch owing to my advanced age. See, when I was a kid, okay, I routinely rode in the cargo bay of the family station wagon. That was so me and my two brothers were not punching each other's lights out as we travelled hither and thither over the country, okay? And Dad could have sat me on his knee, hypothetically, although he didn't do this, driving all the way from Sydney to friggin' Melbourne or something. And nobody out there, no bystanders, no police, nobody would have batted a friggin' eye. These days, I suppose, if you did that, you would make the news, at least on a slow day. So it's amazing to me the way things have changed, for the better, as in so many other ways. In fact, when <laughs> I was a child and dinosaurs roamed the earth, my soccer coach used to drop us kids home after the Saturday game, okay? And we all just sat there in the back of his ute as we crossed this suburb and that on the way home. This is in the 70s, okay, when flares were big and tie-dye was a thing and road trauma really was out of frigging control in this country. Go figure.